our scripture reading, we'll turn to Revelation chapter 1, and then also the last chapter of the book of Revelation. We look at these two passages from the point of view that they speak to us about the fact that what Christ speaks is the truth. Considering the ninth commandment, our calling not to bear false witness. And these passages speak about Christ as the faithful witness. We are called to imitate him. We are members of his body. We are like the false witnesses by nature. No, we by nature are liars, false witnesses. But in Christ, we have life. We've been engrafted into him and we're called to imitate him and to faithfully confess the truth, bear witness to the truth. So we read these passages from that point of view. We first read the first six verses of Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then we turn to the end of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22 chapter speaks about Christ who speaks the truth. It also makes a reference to liars. Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, 
these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, let him that heareth say, Come, let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning. In the passage we read in the rest of Scripture, bases for the teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 43. of our own, our own sin and our desire to do what God calls us to do. The question is, what's required in the ninth commandment? The answer, that I bear false witness against no man, nor falsify any man's words, that I be no backbiter nor slanderer, that I do not judge, 
nor join in condemning any man rashly or unheard, that I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil, unless I would bring down upon me the heavy wrath of God. Likewise, that in judgment and all other dealings, I love the truth. Speak it uprightly and confess it. Also, that I defend and promote as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor. Lord's Day 43. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, there's some that may in pride think of themselves and say, well, I'm, I'm not an adulterer. I'm no thief. I'm not a gambler. I'm not a drunkard. I don't use foul language like many do. And then you come to this ninth commandment. Now, sometimes a person may be free from outward forms of certain sins, yet as we go through the commandments and have been going through the commandments, we do see that really we violate all the commandments. We violated them all. We've kept none of them. Even if one may say, I've been married to one person, I've never been divorced or remarried, and I, don't, I do not outwardly steal from other people and so on, yet when we look at what each of the commandments is, says, we recognize that we, we violated it. When we come to this ninth commandment, and then also when we come to the tenth commandment, Lord willing, next week, we get to the ninth commandment and read what it says, realize with this one also how we have violated there may be some that look at themselves and think they're free from some of these outward more blatant violations of various commandments that just blatantly walk in violation of the ninth commandment backbiting slandering judging people rashly unheard doing the opposite of promoting as much as they are able the honor and good character of their neighbor We recognize it's true, though, of all of us. There may be those that blatantly walk in violations of this commandment, but it's also true that every one of us, as we read this, we see our tendency to do the opposite of what this says. In fact, this is a good example of a commandment that we could read, and we could hear explained, and before we even leave the building, that we've again been involved in a conversation where we're doing the opposite of what this Lord's Day says. And then at times we, that we feel convicted of that. We get involved, we're in a conversation, we leave and we think, what did I just hear? Or the minister thinks, what did I just preach? What did I just preach? And then before I even left the building, I was doing it myself. 
making negative comments, judging people rashly and unheard, not promoting as much as I am able the honor and good character of my neighbor, and yet that's, that's what we're called to do. And when we get to the last commandment, the last commandment, when the question is asked at the end, why are these commandments so strictly preached? None of us can do this. None of us can. We strive to do this, to bridle our tongue, to use our tongue to the glory of God. We strive to do that, but none of us does it as we ought. Well, the, command, the next Lord's Day says that we, well, the commandments are strictly preached that we may more and more know our sinful natures and become more earnest in seeking the remission of sin. So not only that we know more our sinfulness and our, our sinful nature, that, but that we, we go to God more earnestly asking for forgiveness. And it doesn't just say that, too. Seeking remission of sin and righteousness in Christ, likewise that we constantly endeavor and pray to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit that we may become more and more conformable to the image of God till we arrive at the perfection proposed to us in the life to come. We look at all the commandments that way, looking to God for forgiveness. We hear the command, we're to be more earnest in seeking forgiveness and the grace to honor God in all of our life, to honor him in our use of the tongue. Also, as we go through the commandments, it's good for us to have in front of us Christ, as always. From the view to point of view that he's washed us, even as we read in the passage that we read today, that we read about how he has washed us, that he has cleansed us of all of our sin. We look at it from that point of view that he has washed us in his own blood from all our sin, his own blood. We have him and we look at him from that point of view, but also from the point of view that we're engrafted into him. The spirit of Christ, who's called the faithful witness, the spirit of Christ is in you and me. We desire to glorify him with, our, with what we say. We do. We have a small beginning of the new obedience. We do have a desire. We say it already in Lord's Day 1, that the Spirit works in, in me to make me sincerely willing and ready to live unto him. I'm willing and ready sincerely to do what this commandment says I'm to do. We keep looking to God for the grace to do that, to honor him. So it's good for us to look at him as an example, too. He's the faithful witness. He confessed the truth, even when people were mocking him and ridiculing him and spoke against him. He continued to confess the truth. The scriptures we have, we have a record of what of the word of Christ. The scriptures we have are the a record of the word of truth, infallibly inspired record of that word of truth. 
we know what the truth is. And we're to confess the truth about God, about what the will of God is, about what Christ did, about his work for us, about his work in us. And when we speak about one another, we're to speak the truth, to do so and to the honor of the name of our God, imitating our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we look at this Lord's Day under the theme, the faithful witness. We consider, first of all, the false witnesses, considering how man by nature has become a false witness, and the multitude of false witnesses, and considering also our own sinful nature. The false witnesses, we consider that first. Then, the witness of Christ, the faithful witness. We consider that in the second place. And then thirdly is the calling to imitate him. Christ, the, the, faithful, the faithful witness. So first, as far as the false witnesses go, Scripture speaks to us about a faithful witness and a false witness. The book of Proverbs, for example, in Proverbs 14, we read, A faithful witness will not lie. He won't lie. He's a faithful witness. He will not lie. And then it speaks of a false witness. A false witness will utter lies. So there's the faithful witness who will not lie. And there are false witnesses who will utter lies. Proverbs 14, verse 5. Now since the fall of man, sinful man speaks what's false deliberately. God created man good. He bore the image of God. He was created in the image of God. He knew God. He was righteous and holy. And ever since the fall, man has been a liar. And we see that blatantly, that men are constantly lying, constantly portraying that which is false. A lie is to make an untrue statement with an intent to deceive. People do that all the time. They're constantly speaking that which is false. And now and today, with the internet and the fact that communication can travel at amazing speeds, there are many lies that travel about rapidly. And violations of this ninth commandment take place very rapidly in, in the different aspects that are spoken of in this Lord's Day. People doing the opposite of promoting the honor and good character of our neighbor, Many judgments that are rash, people judged unheard, much slander, much backbiting taking place digitally today. Man by nature will speak falsely about God. He'll speak falsely about the will of God. He'll speak falsely about himself and his sinfulness. He'll speak falsely about other people. That's what Man by nature is now like. And that's true of our 
a sinful nature as well. The Lord's Day says we are to avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil. We may wonder, and children may wonder, why does it say proper? Proper sounds like that means it's something you're supposed to do. We say that the lies and deceit are the proper works of the devil. What does that word, that word proper mean? The word proper here has the idea of belonging to one or belonging characteristically to one. So that lies and deceit, that's characteristic of the devil. That's the idea when one says, that he is a, that he's a liar. Devil is referred to in Scripture as the father of the lie. When it says in Rome in John eight verse forty four, when he Jesus said, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. John eight verse forty four. Well, that means we're always to keep that in mind. When we're tempted to lie, we're to remember that the devil's a liar. Sometimes we say this to the children. Sometimes you children may have heard that, that if you're caught saying that which is not true, that your parents may say to you, no, the devil's a liar. Lies and deceit, that's the proper works of the devil. We're not to do what the devil does. Christ is the one that speaks the truth. We're not, we're to imitate him. We're not to be like, to, to do what the devil does. He's the one that is constantly lying. He's a liar. There's never a time when we should speak that which is untrue. Deliberately making an untrue statement. Now, of course, people say, well, the Bible speaks sometimes of those like, we Bible speaks of Rahab, the harlot, and there's other examples that they find in Scripture. There are those in Scripture that of God's people that can be you find records of them speaking what is not true, but they're never commended for that. Like with Rahab. By faith Rahab perish not with them that believe not. She's not commended for speaking what isn't true. Instead it says when she had received the spies with peace. It speaks of her faith. It says, by faith, Rahab perished not, and so on, and then speaks of her receiving the spies with peace. That she received those spies. It does not say that when she's speaking what is not true, that that was, that was proper, that, was, that that was good. There's no record in scripture of anyone saying that which is not true and being told that was that was right to speak what is not true deliberately making a false statement in fact to teach that there are some times when it's good to speak what is not true really that amounts to saying that that's sometimes what Christ does what we say when we do a good work it's Christ who works in us, works in and through us by his spirit to do the good works we do. 
And if we say there's sometimes when speaking a lie is good, well, then that's saying that sometimes those who are in Christ, by the work of the Spirit within them, speak that which is false. Christ is a faithful witness. He never speaks that which is false. The fact is that when we do, believers do sin, but we're never, and there are times when believers say that which is not true, but we're not, we're to confess that as a sin when we've done it. We're not to say that it was a good thing. This commandment, this Lord's Day makes that clear, that we're to avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil. Forbidden to lie or forbidden to bear false witness against someone, and that specifically is the form of the commandment. The form of the commandment reads that way instead of just saying, "Never, thou shalt not lie. It specifically is worded from the viewpoint of the sin against the neighbor, Thou shalt not bear witness, bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's what we intend to do. That's what we tend to do. We tend to speak evil. We tend to slander or falsify somebody else's words. That we may quote what they say. We may make some changes to what they've said. We may make some changes to how they said it. Or what there are when we're, or we may be imitating them and say it in a, with a facial expression that is not the way that it was said. And when someone does this to us, we very quickly speak up and say, I did not say it that way. Or sometimes wording is changed that's significant, and we say, that's not what, I didn't say that. You're changing what I said, or you're changing the way I said it. And we'd be very quick to speak out when somebody does that to us, yet we can find ourselves doing the same thing with regard to somebody else. And there's a tendency to try to spread slanderous reports. So that we speak these things and we look for opportunities to speak to others about these things. The Bible speaks of a tale-bearer who does such. Le Leviticus 19.16, for example, says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tale-bearer among thy people. Don't go up and down as a tale-bearer among the people. Or the Bible speaks of a whisperer. A whisperer separateth chief friends. Proverbs 16, verse 28. The Bible makes reference to the backbiter. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and so on. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. He doesn't backbite. Sometimes when we say, well, what I said about so-and-so was true. We 
say, we recognize there may be times when something that we say about a certain person is accurate, but if we have something to say about that person negatively, that really the proper way is for us to go to that person, which is exactly what we'd say if somebody else was doing that to us and we overheard them. We say, look, if you've got an issue with me, why don't you come to me? Why are you telling these other people? Why don't you come to me? The same thing we would say to someone else is the way that we, what well, we should follow ourselves. If we really think we've got a matter that we need to deal with someone, then we go to them ourselves and deal with it in a right way. And again, still not judging people rashly and unheard. We're striving to promote the honor and the good character of our neighbors. We're to put away lying, as Ephesians 4.25 says. Wherefore, put away lying. Put it away. That each one of us, he sees that we are, by nature, we tend to do this. And the Bible says, put it away. Put away lying. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. It's the calling of God. Like James 1, verse 26 says, If any among you seem to be righteous, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vague. It's vain. Deceives his own heart. His religion is vain. He seems to be religious, but he bridles not his tongue. James 1, verse 26. We have a tendency to want to exalt ourselves, and we put others down as if that's going to exalt us. We can put others down, find fault with everybody else, and want to be Exalting ourselves is a great danger. It's a great danger of our young people to compete with one another and try and put one another down. And for our young adults in school, and as soon as they start to get phones and they start communicating and in the different way forms of communication to try to put others down, trying to be able to exalt oneself, it's true of us at any age. The Bible even warns us about speaking too much. This can be applied to digital speech, too. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Proverbs 10, verse 19. There's a danger. Proverbs says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. And as we're familiar, James 3 says, If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. If he offends not in word, he's able to bridle the whole body. Much reference in Scripture to the tongue. And we see what it's like out in the world. We're not to imitate the world. We see that this is our nature. We join right with them. We're not to imitate those of this world. 
remember that Christ, who died for us and in whom we dwell, is the faithful witness. And so we turn now, secondly, to the witness of Christ. That he's called the faithful witness. The Bible spoke about the fact that Jesus would come. The faithful witness. He spoke of the coming prophet who would speak the word of truth. In Deuteronomy 18, he spoke of that. There would come the faithful prophet. And he did come. And he is the faithful prophet. And that's referred to when in Revelation he's referred to as that. Jesus speaks the word of truth here. And it speaks of him as the faithful witness from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. The one who washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's the end of verse 5. He is the faithful witness. That's who he is. As he speaks the word, the word of God faithfully, and you get to the end of the book and it says, these sayings are faithful and true. We look at the scriptures and we say, we know this is the word of truth. Jesus speaks the truth. What we have here is the word of truth. The word of the faithful witness. Of the one who knows the Father. Jesus says that he knows the Father. He declares him unto us. He declares what he has seen and heard. What he has seen with his Father. He speaks what the Father tells him. Jesus said that. Even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So then in his words, in his words, he was, he spoke what the Father told him. And we're to do the same. Even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So says the Son. And he speaks of his judgment in Scripture. And he says, the judgments, his judgment is just. He spoke against evils. We read of his judgment. And Jesus said, I can't of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. This is quite something here, that after he says, my judgment is judge, is just, he says, because I seek not mine own will. But the will of the Father which has sent me. Think of how many are seeking their own will. They're seeking their own will. They're trying to get whatever it is that they're trying to get. What does it say about their judgment? the words that they'll speak, the words of someone that's seeking his own will. Well, Jesus says, my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. That's our Lord. 
spoke the truth. He never violated the ninth or any of the other commandments, and they hated him. They hated him. Jesus pointed out if somebody was to speak what isn't true, people would listen to somebody speaking what isn't true. But when he comes and he speaks what is true, they hate him. They want him, they want him dead. They call out for him to be crucified. He continues to speak the truth today. Talk of how Christ continues to speak to us. The gospel is going forth. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He continues to speak today the truth. And we say the first mark of the true church is the pure preaching of the gospel. Christ continues to speak the word of truth. We have it accurately recorded for us in Scripture. Yet many reject the truth. Jesus said, What he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. Nobody receives his testimony. He says what he's seen and heard, yet no man receives his testimony. Many today say, who's to say what truth is? We live in such a time as that, that there is much denial that anybody can really say what the truth is. There's people believing all sorts of different things. And you can't say what truth is. I recently read an article about the word reformed. What does the word reform mean? What are the positions that those who are reformed hold to? And the person was arguing... You can't even really say any, any list of doctrinal positions that are reformed because there are those that call themselves reformed that hold all sorts of different teachings. There isn't even a common, common statements that they'll make. Well, who's to say? Who's to say what that word even means? Well, we today can say, well, if somebody's reformed, that means you hold to, that you believe what? is in the Reformed Confessions, that you say what is recorded here is truth. We don't say it's infallible, and we make that clear. We say this is the only infallible authority. If there's errors in our creeds, we'll change them. Those that are Reformed are to be those that say, we agree what we have in our confessions that is accurate. It agrees with the Word of God. Today, people use the term and hold all sorts of kind of teachings. And many will say about the scriptures, well, you know, there's all sorts of different beliefs out there. Who's to say, you know, who's right? You're proud if you think that you know what the truth is. Men don't want what Jesus said. And that's what Jesus taught, too. No man receives his testimony. People don't want the truth. We recognize and we have to speak with humility as those who have much to learn. And when we talk to others, we have to make clear that, yes, we're willing to learn and be corrected by the scriptures if we have wrong ideas. We have no doubt about the fundamental truths we confess. That we have no doubt that scripture teaches them and we can show them. We can show them from scripture. We know that 
the truth of the word of God. And we do have much to learn, but we know what the gospel is, the good news of our salvation. The things that we teach our children to confess. If our children say to us, this is your, I'm, you're teaching me to say this. This is in our confession. Do we really know this is true? We say, yes, we do, son, daughter. Yes, we do. We know this is true. We can show it from the scriptures. Jesus has taught us. He's, the, he's our chief prophet and teacher, and he's the faithful witness. He speaks the truth. And he executes judgment on those that lie. On all liars. That's part of this Lord's Day. It's also in the, the book of Revelation when we read in Revelation 22, verse 15, for without are dogs and sorcerers and so on. And then the last statement, whoso loveth and maketh a lie. They're without. That means they're outside. And our Heidelberg Catechism says, unless I would bring, after it says I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil, then it adds. And we're to take this seriously. Unless I would bring down upon me the heavy wrath of God. That really true. It says in the Heidelberg. You say it's true. It really is. The judgment of God on the impenitent that continue on walking in violation of the commandment. Jesus executes judgment. He's a just judgment. Judgment is just. We consider Christ the faithful witness. We recognize and part of setting forth Christ who spoke the truth even when they would put him to death. We can find that there are situations where we don't want somebody to know something for one reason or another, and so we're going to say something that isn't really true. We're trying to avoid something. Well, Jesus spoke the truth even when they were going to crucify him. He laid down his life for us. He suffered for all of our violations of the ninth commandment and the others. For all your violations of this commandment and all mine, he suffered. For all, the ba all my backbiting, all the times I haven't been promoting my neighbor's honor, he suffered. Has washed us in his own blood. The faithful witness washed us in his own blood. That's Revelation 1 verse 5. He reveals to us the truth. He reveals to us God's secret will. He brings us to repentance. He works in us faith. We hear him speak. 
the word of truth, he works in us a sorrow for sin. And he brings us to repentance so we confess our sin. We confess, I violated this, I have. I have spoken words that I ought not. There's, I've been doing the opposite. I've done many times the opposite of what this Lord's day said, and I'm sorry. We look to God and ask, forgive me. And he does. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He assures us we're forgiven. He's the one that guides us into truth. He guides us to understand the truth. He not only spoke the truth, but by the Spirit, he guides us to understand the truth. And then he calls us to bear witness to that truth. Our calling is to imitate him. It's a faithful witness. It is interesting that those two passages that we often quote about the image of God. So you young people often learn these two passages about the image of God. We say, what is the image of God? True knowledge of God, righteousness, holiness. Somebody say, how do you know that? Well, you look at these two passages that speak about the old man and the new man. And it speaks about us in the new man as being one who bears the image of God in the new man. Many people say, all human beings bear the image of God. Well, that's not true. And you see it in those two passages that speak about us in the new man. Well, it's interesting to note that both of them, both of them make a reference to the ninth commandment. When talking about the old man and the new man, it speaks about the ninth commandment. This is Ephesians 4. And we're looking at it now from the viewpoint of the calling to imitate Christ. Thinking you know what, what we're like in the new man and that we're to imitate our Lord. Ephesians 4, 24, 25 says, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created, the new man is created, in righteousness and true holiness. There it is, righteousness and holiness with regard to the new man. And then the next statement, wherefore put away lying. Putting away lying. That's the very next statement. Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Right in the context that talks about us putting on the new man. That's Ephesians 4, 24 and 25. Then the other passage is Colossians 3. There's a number of parallels between Ephesians and Colossians. Ephesians 4, 24 and 25 parallel Colossians 3, 9 and 10. It says, lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds. Like what well, we're like in the old man. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, knowledge, after the image, that's a true knowledge of God, righteousness, holy, and true knowledge of God. We get that from this verse here. It's one of the places that speaks that. But we look at it, when it talks about the new man, right before that, lie 
not one to another. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, Jesus said. Matthew 12, 34 and 35. We're to think about what we're like in the old man and what we're like in the new. Wherefore, and that ye put on the new man. Wherefore, putting away lying. Called to imitate Christ. And now you look at the positive aspects of, hey, we're called to imitate Christ. We'll look at this from the positive point of view now. We talked about what we're not to do. Now from the point of the positive, you look at that in, from two, two statements here. Likewise, that in judgment, in judgment, and in all other dealings, I love the truth. I love the truth. Speak it uprightly and confess it. That I love the truth. Which is shown in speaking it uprightly and confessing it. And then, secondly, defending and promoting as much as I'm able the honor and good character of my neighbor. We look at those, those two things. First of all, that we love the truth. We speak it uprightly, we confess it. Well, we're to speak the truth about God, even if people will deny it. Well, that's what Jesus said about himself. People would reject what he said, but we're to speak the truth about God. Many speak falsely about him. They're false witnesses of God. Paul said if he was to speak what is, if he had spoken what was false, when he taught the truth, then it says, then we would be found false witness of, of God, because we testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead write, and if not, he said, if we're teaching that, if we're teaching falsely about that, then we're false witnesses of God. Because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ. And if that's not really true, then we're false witnesses of God. Well, many do speak falsely of God. Paul was saying that what, you know, in that context, he's saying that he's not a false witness of God because what he said was really true. But many do speak falsely of God. We're to speak the truth about God. Speak the truth about God's will. We're not to be ashamed of Christ and of his words and of what he taught. We're to bear witness to that truth. We're to speak the truth about ourselves. We're not to say we haven't done something when we have. We're to speak the truth about ourselves. And we're to confess our own sins. We're to speak the truth about others. And we've gone through that as to how that, what the wrong way about speaking about others, which we know. We're to promote, and we're, now we're looking at it from the positive point of view of keeping this in mind and having this constantly come back so that if you and I are in a conversation and we're talking about a brother and sister, that it's good when this 
phrase comes back into our mind. Am I defending? Am I promoting the honor and good character of my neighbor? Am I doing that as much as I am able? That's what I am to be doing as much as I am able. We're not to assume the worst of one another. We desire to, to, to treat others the way we would desire them to treat us. We're to speak what's edifying, what builds up. And the scriptures speak of that often too. The book of Proverbs and elsewhere speaks of that. Ephesians speaks of that, the speaking words that are edifying that build up. We're to be promoting unity, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's what we're to desire to do. We sing in the Psalms about that too. Who fears the Lord must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from wrong must do the good from evil cease and ever seek, ever seek and follow peace. That was the last stanza we sang when we sang Psalter number 90. The spirit of Christ is in us, is in you, is in me. We do have a desire to do this. And it's good when we hear again, and when our mind is directed again to this, when a minister comes and is told we're up to Lord's Day 43. So if you could speak on Lord's Day 43. So you study that again, and you're looking at that again in God's providence. It's brought to me, brought to you. Mind directed to many ways we violate this. Confess it with sorrow and looking to God for strength. We know, grow to know more our sinful nature and also looking to God for the grace to do what's pleasing to him. Remember what Christ has wrought in us, what he's done for us, what he's wrought in us, the fact that the Spirit is in us. We have a desire. The Spirit works in us, making us willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. We desire to glorify him with our words. Praise him. We desire peace and unity, communion, fellowship. We're looking forward together for the, at, at, toward the return of our Lord. So thankful that God has revealed to us the truth. May we together encourage one another in these last days, talking about the things of the kingdom, talking about Christ the faithful witness and his, he's going to return. The things that are told us in the book of Revelation are true. We know they're true. We know the scriptures are true. The promise concerning his return is true. May we together confess that word of truth and speak the truth concerning one another. May we together honor and praise the name of our God, of our Father, living to his glory out of thankfulness and gratitude for our salvation. Amen. Let us pray. 
O Lord our God, our Father, we give thee thanks, we praise thy name, thou who dost speak the truth, and who doth work in us by thy spirit. We are sorry, O Lord, for our many violations of this commandment and of the others. We see what we're like by nature. Forgive us. Lord, grant us grace to always speak what's right, to always honor thee in our tongue. It's our desire. Grant us the grace to do that. We're thankful for thy work of the Spirit within us, that thou dost work in us, and that we do love the truth and speak it. We begin to keep not only some, but all the commandments. We begin to. We honor thee in our life. May thy name be praised by us and all thy people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.